Welcome to the CF Exchange Zone. I'm head cross-country coach Nick Groover, joined with modified cross-country coach Jason Motel. Hello. So this is a big episode. This is our sectional championship I don't know, celebration recap episode. And it's my fifth episode. It's your, is it, what you're counting? Is it, is it really your fifth no, I episode? Made, I made that up. That, good. <laughs> that would have been monumental yes, though. Yes. But so this is going to be, this will be a little bit of a different type of episode because I'd really like to, if you're somebody who's listening, who's been wanting to know more about the program and the day-to-day workings and kind of our philosophy, this would be the episode for you because we've always talked about how we're kind of peeling the layers back. Well, today we're going to peel the layers back to the core because now that we're past sectionals, I'd like to kind of go back through and see and just talk about kind of like what our whole philosophy from the first day in summer and throughout was. Before we start, it's going to obviously be a little bit more geared towards the girls team, but I want to start with the guys team because the guys team also ran really well. I mean, they didn't win a sectional championship, but they ran really, really well. We had, I don't think we had anybody run slower than I was expecting, you know, in my head. And I don't necessarily tell the kids like what I'm expecting because I don't want to put a number out there than have them not hit it. But I obviously in my head, I have an idea for everybody and everybody ran faster. I wouldn't say anybody ran like insanely good. I thought we just had an overall good day, except for, you know what? I think Jonah ran really well. Jonah ran quite a bit faster than I thought he was going to run. And then the rest of the guys just had an all around good day. And we ran that course on September 17th or September 18th, whatever the day was. And we ran nine minutes and 35 seconds faster. And <laughs> that's amazing. And so that's, that's over a minute a person. Well, well over a minute a person, because I think we had at least three people who didn't run the pre-state race. So they don't factor into that 935. There might be only like five people that factors in that. It might be close to two minutes per person. And one person, for example, Jonah did not run in that meet. Jonah would have ran like four minutes faster. So Tommy time. Hillis, right? Tommy Hillis. Oh no, Tommy Hillis did run that meet, oh. but Connor did not run. It was actually Tommy's first meet. Um, Connor did not run that meet. And Connor obviously is somebody who has been on a tear the last month. So he would have ran quite a bit faster. Yeah, so yeah. really, really solid day for the boys. Um, Brendan ran extremely well. I think 1840, somewhere around there, is a really good way to cap off his last cross-country race. And there, the fact that you know the girls' team has had so much success and the boys' team has kind of had to you know follow that success, so to speak, the, the fact that they still were as focused as they were, mm-hmm. as they came every day, they worked their butts off, literally, and they, they really peaked at the exact time they did everything. That's they actually a really good point that I wasn't going to talk about, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, that's really true. It's when, when you have one team that's having right. so much success, it, it overshadows the other team a little bit. But you know, if this were a year where the girls' team wasn't as good as they are, I think there'd be a lot of focus on what the guys are doing. It gets overshadowed a little bit. Um, And as you said, you said it really well. They they had a really good year. A lot of young guys that are going to have really bright futures. So I was really happy with really the whole direction the guys are in. Like I said, it's hard to run well when there's so much – focus other places you know it's like it's like the guys were very invested in that girls race say, as well they were so into the very girls race. invested yep. in that race especially when too. it's first yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say yeah. that for the end but especially when that race is first you know if the guys had ran first yeah that's a little bit easier of a, a thing but um so anyway that was um that was great so that's we'll start to talk about how we got to the point of, of where we were with the girls and how we viewed that and just our overall program philosophy here 
And in order to do that, I'm gonna kinda, I'm gonna take us back to the first day, back to the summer and back to the spring. And I'm going to start with talking about Piper a little bit because the expectations that Piper had, the elite expectations that Piper had came before the, that happened chronologically before the expectations that the team was going to be elite. You know, I think that in the spring and even before, but I mean, two years ago, Piper had a phenomenal cross country season in the spring. She had a phenomenal XC and then spring track season that ended with her winning the overall sectional championship in the 15. From that point on, expectations were always going to be really high for Piper individually. And when I was talking to Piper over the summer, I said, the biggest roadblock that you're going to have, not you, Jason Motel, you being Piper, um, is going to be overcoming the expectations. And you have to find a way to separate the expectations from what you're doing. And the, uh, Catherine White's going to love this because I just came up with an analogy right off the top of my head here. It's like every time that a new rankings comes out, Tully Runners comes out with a new rankings, or Milesplit comes out with a new preview article um, that has Piper and the top few runners in the state, it's like a big bucket of water being poured into your boat. And it's like you're trying to navigate this boat to the finish line. And all these buckets of water of expectations add up and you have to be bailing them out. And if you're not bailing them out, it's really, really difficult to achieve them. And it's like, if you get so focused on the expectations, it's going to just eat away at you and it's gonna be really difficult. Yeah. So we talk about, and kind of how this is applied to Piper and applied to the team, we talk so much about process versus outcome. Outcome is what your expectations are. Outcome are for Piper, you're gonna be first or second at the stack meet, or you're gonna have a chance to run the top five of the state meet or girls team, you're gonna have a chance to win a sectional title. Those are outcome goals. And it's good to have outcome goals, but in the best way of it to achieve your outcome goals are to focus on the process and not focus on your outcome goals. And that was the message we had to all those people over the summer and the fall. And really that's, if we were gonna sum up our program philosophy, that's, that's the number one thing right there. You know, there's a line in, you ever seen Friday Night Lights? No. No. So there's a, the TV show in the pilot, it's Coach Taylor standing there and he says something like, expectations are high, people are expecting. Like before we go into, before they go into their first game, I mean, I felt that way about Piper and I felt that way about this team. It's like with Piper, we knew that those, over the summer, we knew those expectations are going to be high. And with the team, we didn't really, we thought we would be good, but we didn't know how high those expectations were going to be. For me, it was the first week of practice before we even did a time trial or anything to see the level of, the level of work ethic we had and the level of talent we had. I would say probably in the first two or three days of practice, Brooks and I looked at each other and said, this is going to be a really good team. How good? You know, we don't know, but it's going to be really good. And the team camaraderie, whatever that word is, is just yeah. off the charts too. And I think that helped to propel them forward as well just how much they were behind each other and how much they backed each other. They still call each other family. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And that, that goes into all of the out that goes into all the intangible type of things that I think really um, helped us excel. So that was the point of the season where it's like, we're going to have major expectations for an individual on our team and major expectations for, uh, for a, for a team championship. But with that in mind, it's like, kind of like we were saying, the best way to achieve those expectations is trying to disassociate yourself from those expectations because this team ran 
4,200 miles this year. And if you have the attitude that I'm only doing this because we want to win a sectional championship or I'm only doing this on Piper because I want to be in the top five of the state meet or whatever that may be, if you don't achieve that outcome goal, it makes it feel like all of the work you did wasn't worth it. And you're going to be absolutely miserable in the sport if that's how you view it. So that's why we always said we want to make it more about the day-to-day things. And that's why we did the thing with the water bottles where once a week we pass out kind of like old old school like helmet stickers if you're a football former football player but and we pass them out and i tried to make it almost exclusively for process goals like um audrey goes on the farthest run she ever has so many miles um, right um yeah, gabe breaks 100 miles for the season yep and baby steps, um, that's what yeah colin ran baby the steps. most miles he ever has last week and the to focus more on the process so that was a way to emphasize emphasize that now it's one thing and it's like you get to a point where it's like how do you achieve your primary goal which is to win a section championship without the focus being your primary goal without focusing on it that's a really hard line that's a really hard line to walk and i think the way you do it the way that we decided to do it was early on in the season with the girls team we basically said, hey, this is a really good girls team. We might have a chance to win the sectional championship. And we kind of set that as a goal and then tried to forget about it. And that's so hard to say to a kid especially. It's like, hey, we have a chance to win, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Try to just focus on something else. But honestly, that's exactly what we ended up doing. And if for people, you're going to... Yeah, well, you you enabled that to happen. I don't know if you're going to jump on this because we uh, created the season to give them so many opportunities to be able to run, so that we could have certain people take certain days off. You didn't; everyone didn't have to compete in the Whitney Point meet, for example. Like you gave, you set it up so that on an individual basis, we kept the eyes on the prize and allowed them to almost, with your tutelage, set their own schedule and how they're going to peak at the right moment. And I think the other coaches didn't do that. Like the Vestal coach only went to five meets or six meets. Or well, whatever it was. I think people like we. I think we talked about this in the last podcast. It's People need different things. Like I think one meet, without getting too sidetracked here, but like I think one meet, having Aubrey run at Whitney Point, I think was a big meet. It's this is her first year doing cross country. She's somebody, she's more of an athlete than a runner. And it's like, that was a really good experience for her. And for me, that gave me right. a ton of, after that race, I was like, she's gonna go out and run great at State Park. Cause she's somebody where first year doing cross country, We've been on a bunch of flat courses and State Park, not that flat. Mm -hmm. And I said, we need to get her some experience running a course like this before uh, before sectionals. Now, someone like Audra, she ran quite a few tough courses in the spring, different situation. That's why that goes back into, we talked about this last time, why certain people, why certain people went to certain meets. But what I was going to say is if for people that that were here on a daily basis, you would be shocked by how little during the year, we talked about yeah. winning a sectional championship, yep. how little we talked about Owego or Lansing. The only time we even mentioned either of those schools was before McQuaid. After pre-states, we had a pretty good idea we'd have a shot at winning a sectional championship. We thought Lansing was gonna be really, really tough. Lansing ran really well at the pre-state meet. And we said, the only th- we knew the only time we were gonna have a meet against them was up at McQuaid. So the week of McQuaid, we said, hey, this is the only time we're going to see Lansing. Let's try to go out and run really so well you, here. You didn't emphasize Lansing at all throughout the no. last couple of weeks? No, I mean, the last couple of weeks. Like, yeah. Well, we're going, in, we're going in chronological order here. Even then. Okay, so let's do it at the beginning. So you... No. I mean, for, for listeners out there, like, Groove texts me 
twice a week, three times yeah, a week well, about, about the different opponents that you're yeah. going to be facing. So for you to keep that quiet to them. Well, so this is why I was going to say this in the beginning, but I forgot. So I think we're taking, we're going to approach this podcast more like I'm going to kind of lay out the philosophy and then you jump in with like questions that like right. the listener might have. Right. Yeah. So that's a good question. No, that we, we did not emphasize that at, at all. That's a little, we that's, said, that's shocking to we said it, the pre-state meet. So this is, this was the order of what happened. We knew our team was good, and we said, hey, we're going to have a chance to be really good. We might have a chance to win a sectional championship, and that was it. It was like one comment, one day, didn't talk about it after that. Going up to McQuaid, we said, hey, we think Lansing is going to be the best, our, our biggest competition in the section. You know, let's see how we do against them today, and we did really well. They didn't have all their runners there, but we had a good day. And then we didn't talk about it, and then that was it. The only other mention of anything was when we got state ranked a couple, and we didn't even really talk about that much, but we got state ranked. A couple of kids were like, oh, sweet, like we're in the top eight. And we did mention that because I think that's a good, yeah. that's a good motivator. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that it's like, hey, look, it, look, we're ranked in the, we're ranked, um, I think we got up to eighth, eighth in the state after McQuaid or maybe after Baldensville. But other than that, we did no talk of anything regarding the end of the season. Now, fast forward, we got to the divisional meet and I don't even think I mentioned anything about the divisional meet until the day before. And I said, hey, we're going to have a shot to win the divisional meet tomorrow. Because again, we want to come, we, it, it's, you set yourself up for failure if you make what you're doing too much about what you're trying to achieve. It sounds, I know it sounds counter, counterintuitive, but again, we didn't want it to be like, if we don't win a sectional championship, the season's a failure. If we don't win a, section, or a divisional championship, the season's a failure. But it doesn't mean we don't want to do those things. I'm texting you and Brooks nightly about those things, but we're trying to have the kids detach the expectations from what we're actually obviously, doing. Obviously, it was effective. So ended up, yeah, so obviously won the divisional championship. That was great. And then we decided that obviously our last race before the sectionals, before the section championship was the stack meet, and Brooks and I decided I was the, after the stack meet is when we kind of start to focus on sectionals. Well, at that point, we there had been very little talk about sectionals amongst the team because we were training well. And at that point, it's like, as long as you're training well, we don't need to talk about this stuff right now. As a matter of fact, I'd rather not talk about it right now. And then the stack meet, something happened. A Wego, who had been pretty good during the year, but not nearly as good as Lansing, right. ran unbelievably ridiculously well. Ridiculously well. Uh, ri- ridiculously well. And the kids didn't really notice because they <laughs> were running, so... Right. Well, not even that, but just they were so <laughs> focused on what we had been preaching about pay attention to the process pay attention to yourself hmm. and don't worry about it because because it's like it's like we're in up we're in upstate new york this is like the the if we're going to make a basketball analogy this is like the mecca of girls distance running in the country upstate new york like saratoga number one team in the country fm has two girls in the top 18 in the country like this is this is pretty much as good as it gets california is pretty good too but this is pretty much, pretty much as good as it, as it gets and it's like you never know who's going to be out there and if we keep saying hey, we have a chance to win a sectional championship and everything goes towards that. It's like some section two school can pop up or um, so, I mean, well, that'd be the me, but right. Some school, some IAC school can pop up. You know, what if Lansing has two kids that didn't run the pre-state meet, right. start running and now it's like we have very little chance of beating them. So we don't want, we didn't want to make it so much about that because I think you set yourself up for disappointment. So it becomes problematic though. Maybe problematic is not the right word, but it becomes an interesting avenue to travel down when you go to the stack meet and a wego runs really well and the kids don't really 
comprehend it because we've been so much about, hey, let's only worry about ourselves. So after that happened, I had to kind of refocus a little bit and say, hey, I mean, a couple of times I tried to hint, I was like, hey, Owego ran pretty well. They're gonna be tough at sectionals. And the kids almost like brushed it off. I think because they were doing so well at just buying into that philosophy that we're only worrying about ourselves. And if we worry about ourselves, the cards land where they land. And you know, it is what it is. It's the best way to kind of try to achieve that. How much of it do you think was for some of our inexperience too? Um, it's going to be different next year being right. the defending section <laughs> champions. Right. And it's like, it's such a, it's such a shock because it's like, we've had, I mean, we've had really good track teams, like four by eight teams. And it's like, they are, they were so in tune with what was going on with other schools. They would be like, was Nick Miller from right. Made NOL split this time right. um, last night. And it was like, they were so focused on that. And I think that probably I did them a disservice by not having more of this type of philosophy. Yeah, you were but, 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 um, you know, so this was, but it was nice to just, it was nice to have them buy into the philosophy that we don't care about other schools. We only care about ourselves. And that's going to be the best way for us to achieve these goals that we set at the beginning of the year. Now, that's great until you get to the end of the year. And now you've got to figure out how to Change how to change adapt, this. Adapt better. Uh, t- yeah, how to modify this. So at, when we were running this, and again, it's we had countless exchanges with Mr. Brooks, you and myself. I had this meet, and I obviously didn't, the kids don't know any of this. Well, maybe I think I've shared this since then, but I had this as a one-point meet, a 43-44 meet, and Brooks had a 43-47 meet. So he had it, he was a little more optimistic than I was. But I think that that's kind of what I had the numbers saying, but it was so hard to figure out because Owego is so inconsistent. Lansing's so inconsistent. inconsistent. We were probably if the most consistent If you took out the stack team. meet from Owego, I'm glad that's, they, what, that's, what, that's what did it. For right. If, right. They, yeah. if they, if I would have felt pretty right. good right. if they had not ran what they did um, at the stack meet. But, so, it, I was assuming that they were going to replicate what, the, what they did at the stack meet, which truthfully, they pretty much did. Yeah, they we ran, just, we just did they ran really well. They ran really well. And Lansing ran really well um, as well. So, I had that on paper is a one point me. I was expecting us to have a good day, so I thought maybe that'd get closer to a four or five point me. However, if you had showed me the results with us not in them and said, hey, this is what a Wego did and this is what Lansing did, <laughs> I would have been like, okay, I don't feel as good about things. Yeah. So they, they had um they had really good we days. But, but so what the way that we approached the mindset right before sectionals was we had to kind of you know, we want to talk about the magnitude of the situation, but then we also want to talk about how to um, how to navigate that. So early that week, I think Monday, we talked about the course. Tuesday, we kind of laid some things out. Mr. Brooks talked about how this would be, you know, this would obviously be the crowning achievement in program history, which when you hear something like that, it's important to, it's important that the kids know that, but you have to immediately discuss how you're going to how you're going to handle that because when a kid hears that that makes them excited but it also makes them nervous and yep. we had the mindset that nervousness is good but if we don't handle it the right way it's going to derail it's going to re- derail our race so our pre-race mindset was it was very simple it was do not talk yourself into having a bad race and be prepared for all um situations so really the whole season philosophy was remove the expectations the race philosophy was the same thing remove the expectations and it's like if Quinn's in that, well, here's the better example. Here's the best example. Audra said after practice one day, what do I have to do for us to win? Mm-hmm. And 
now on one hand that's a great comment that's what you know that, that's that's great especially in other sports but in with our specific situation i said that's the last thing i want you worrying about during the race i don't want you to be thinking about what do i have to do where do i have to be in this race for us to win because if you're not because it's putting an expectation on yourself and if you do that and it's you're not in that spot you're going to be it's overcome so with negative things it's well so that's exactly right? you're gonna be overcome with these negative feelings so i said Audrey, if, if, and she said, what do I have to do? Do I have to beat Oigo's number four runner? And I said, you don't want to think of it that way because if you get in the race and Oigo's number four runner has a really good day and she's 100 yards in front of you, you're going to say, oh, geez, that girl is 100 yards in front of me. I was expecting to be with her. And then you're going to Falls panic apart, right? and then the race is going to fall apart. Yep. So the best way to not have that happen is to not expect that. Same thing with Quinn. If Quinn is expecting, like, I'm going to be right with Kathleen Sullivan from Lansing and Abby Fahey from Oigo, and those two girls have great days and they're 50 yards in front of Quinn, Quinn's probably, you know, what the thoughts going through Quinn's head are going to be negative. Same thing, the best example we had of this all year, and I was so proud of the way that Brendan navigated this was, we were at McQuaid and Brendan had been way in front of Connor the whole year. And at McQuaid at the two mile mark, Connor pulls up right next to Brendan. And if I'm Brendan, right. I'm thinking like, oh, I must not be having a very good day because I'm usually way in front of Connor and Connor's right with me. But Brendan, in fact, was having a good day. Connor was having an unbelievably awesome day. And instead of panicking and letting that race fall apart, Brendan, who we hadn't really even had this conversation before that, um, stuck with it and ended up running really well as well. As well. So that's the mindset that we had. We wanted to, um, we wanted to make sure we weren't talking ourselves and having a bad race. And we wanted to be prepared for all scenarios, including being ready for those negative thoughts to enter our head. Things like, I'm not in this race where I was expecting to be. I don't feel how I was expecting to feel. I don't feel great. It's when those thoughts enter your head, the better you are at managing them, the better race you're going to run. And that was our message. I think it, you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was successful. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, and so I guess let's talk about the actual race a little bit. We'll talk about our, the only thing we really said Again, our main message was the mindset there. Talk yourself into having a good race. Don't talk yourself into having a bad race. Have confidence in yourself. Have confidence in the training, and everything's going to be good. And don't worry about where people are in the, in the race. But again, try to win individual battles. But don't be looking around like, hey, where is the Lansing number three runner? And, and don't, even, don't even worry about the, uh, the course setup because you're going to have a car that's going to lead you yeah, through Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> we're going to get there. So, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, our, yeah, so that was basically our, our pre-race mindset, and that was our, our racing mindset. Um, the race itself, and I don't want to throw anybody on the bus, but I, I mean, I think that hopefully you can draw from, a conclusion you can draw from the podcast is we're pretty big attention to detail people, I think, in terms of, you know, in terms of, some, in terms of just the sport and doing the little things right. I, this is, honest to God, this is a true story. I emailed the section i'm not gonna use anybody's name here because i won't throw anybody on the bus but i You're emailed the title, section, though. <laughs> I, sure i am yeah i emailed the section coordinator after the spring because we had a lead cart for the spring because you couldn't preview the course and i said hey i thought it was a really good adjustment having a lead cart is that something we can do in the fall answer was i don't know yet okay fine i emailed him again at the beginning of the cross-country season and i said hey are you going to have a lead cart for pre-states? And they said, yeah. And I said, nice. Can we do that for sectionals as well? And he said, yes. It's nice. Now we have confirmation we're going to do it. I saw, because there's multiple sectional coordinators 
So I would say this person's like the head coordinator. I saw one of the other coordinators at the Norwich meet and I said, hey, are we still having a sectional, a lead car at sectionals? He said, yes. I said, nice. But that was a face-to-face thing. So after he said yes, I went back, I emailed the coordinator for the second time and I said, hey, are we still having a lead cart? And he said, yes. It's like, nice. Then we found out that there were no course previews that week. So I emailed him a third time and said, hey, no course previews, just making sure we're still good at a lead cart. He said, yes. We got there Thursday morning and I said, hey, just checking, we still have a lead cart, right? He said, yes. That's six confirmations. I, I, I don't know. Other than me hot wiring the gator and driving it myself, I don't know how else to confirm that we were going to have a lead cart. So no lead cart was tough. We found out basically on the start line, not basically on the start line. We were on the start line. And how they didn't when the fact is that you had gators there and any one of the coaches could have led the race. It makes no sense to me, but I don't want to talk about that anymore, but that was, uh, yeah, that was obviously not, again, it was, Hey, it was another expectation thing, right? It was, Mm -hmm. um, it was something where that was not our expectation, but you know, we were able to roll with the punches. Piper was able to roll with the punches and we'll talk about the actual race. Now, the one course note that Brooks and I had was do not start out too fast in this course. We've had runners, perhaps myself included, that have had that problem in the past. It's a very fast first mile. Sectionals and state meet, there's always a lot of adrenaline going. Yes. So a sectional championship on a course that the first mile is fast is a bad recipe. So we said to be controlled. And then the other note we had was there can be a lot of time that is made up and lost in the last like 1K or last mile of this course. So, you know, same thing. Don't give up no matter where, how you, what kind of race you think you're having. Um, don't give up because you're, there's a chance that you're running a lot better than you think you are. So those are basically our two big course notes. And the gun went off and, um, you know, I thought we were, I was at eight, I was at probably 601K, I would say for the first mile. And I thought we were in a good spot. I thought that Lansing got out really well. Owego didn't look super impressive to me, but again, I don't think you need to look super impressive mm-hmm. at that point in the race, but we were definitely out, certainly out as fast as we needed to be. I think my message was, I was like, Hey, relax, relax, relax. When they went by me both times there, when we went, well, the next spot where I was, was at the hill, which was about halfway, right before halfway. I thought we were still in a pretty good spot. I mean, Piper was in the lead by a lot. And, you know, we had talked about the next stretch of the course being a spot where we really wanted to try to pull away from the field for her. Um, And I thought that, I thought the rest of our runners were in a good spot there. It was one thing that was harder for me than I was expecting was it was so hard to like, keep track of our kids and the Lansing and Owego kids. I thought that we'd have a pretty good idea. Um, I had an idea, but not as good as I would have liked. So I knew that we were in a good spot there. I, was, I couldn't really tell how good of a spot some of the other teams were in. And then I saw them again right after that, probably the, the, I would say right before the two mile mark. Same thing, um, I thought we looked pretty good. Not great, but I thought we looked pretty good. And my confidence level was decent at that point. But again, a lot can happen in the last... Um, last mile there. So when they go down to the towpath and then up where we are, you don't see them really. That's like a very, um, Mr. Brooks was down there and I think our guys are going to be down there Saturday, but that's a part of the course that's really not navigated or not spectated at all. So that felt like an eternity for me when they were coming around, but I had walked down. So people that were at the meet, the, the last part of the race is the 17th fairway, then they make the left-hand turn finish. So I was probably about 400 meters from the finish line 
When Piper passed me, um, she was in the lead even after losing probably 40 seconds on that course with where she had to run. She was in the lead. She had a big lead. Ethne was, Ethne, the BGA Harpersville girl, was in second well ahead of Jalen Chrysler, which was a big, which was a big battle for us yes. because we knew that Harpersville, Afton, Bainbridge was not going to factor in the team scoring. But that's a big point, though. Jalen versus Ethne, you basically down to one point. She was probably eighty yards in front of her with four hundred left, and I found out because I'm not the finish line. I found out Jalen actually caught her and passed her. Um, so then, so that was pretty. That was pretty crazy. Right. But it goes back to show you how much how much time you can gain and lose in the last so run of the race. Time. Well, and then going with that theme, our next runner was Quinn. Um, Quinn, we thought, I'm going to go through kind of, and I, again, I did not tell the kids any of this because I did not want them to be thinking about it. But of course, I had an idea of where I thought like some significant battles would be. And one of our significant battles was um, Quinn with Kathleen Sullivan, which is Lansing's number one runner, and Abby Fahey, which is Owego's number two runner. And coming up that, coming up the, so at this point I was a little further down, I was maybe five, five, I would say 500 meters left, so 4.5K. Uh, Kathleen Sullivan was running really well. She was quite a ways, I don't know quite a ways, she was comfortably ahead of um, Quinn and Abby Fahey, and Abby Fahey from Owego was probably 15 yards ahead of Quinn at that point when they, when they went past me, out of the last little uphill. But she looked like she was struggling, and Quinn looked really good. So Quinn was doing pretty well on her. And again, not the finish line, but I was fairly confident that Quinn was going to catch her. And she did. She ended up being here by 13 seconds. So that was a battle that we thought those three would be really close, and they were. So at that point, everything was going fairly according to plan. Um, but where my, I would say, for the first time, where my nerves really went away and the, thought we were in a good spot was Catherine White, who... Her battle was she was going into that race. She was at the beginning of a huge group of girls behind her. And it was like, that could go either way. She could stay at the beginning of that group. I think that she had beaten Owego's number three runner in the last three meets by a combined six seconds. Wow. You know, so it's like, yeah, she's in front of her, but like, that's a coin flip. Um, She crushed her expectations and... It's unfortunate, though, because she did, but there was, instead of, so it was nice because she comfortably beat that group, but there, was, there weren't really people in front of her that, like, bumped her up, if we're talking about, like, a, a scoring type sure, thing. Right, right. So she probably ended up running the number that we were really hoping she would run, um, that we were really happy to get, but it was like she ran so much better, you know? We right. thought that she was going to have to, like, like, really edge that out, and, and she didn't. She was comfortably there. So that was a really good sign for us. And then... Um, Audra and Aubrey came through in a the Audra and Aubrey came through at the back of a pack, but because Piper Quinn and Catherine had ran so well at the time, you know, again, you don't know for sure what's going on. I felt pretty good about if they were just with that group that we would be okay team the team wise and they had an un they both had unbelievably good last 500 and they end up passing about half the people in that group. And again, I don't know that down where I am though, right. but I had pretty good. I mean, I'm going to put my money on Audra and Aubrey against just about anybody in the right. last 500 of a race. So that's what I think probably made that from turn that from like a four or five point victory into a 17 point um, victory. And again, Shaylee ran really well too. And Faith ran really well. So 
just a course takeaway I had that we're going to talk about in the future is just how truly how much time you can gain. So much time and, at the end. And, you know, from kind of piecing it together with other people in the race, Brooks, Brooks thought we were losing at 4K. I thought we lost I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I would agree that we were losing because I don't think that we goes – I think that Audra and Aubrey were always in pretty good relation to a Wego's number five runner. But, no, I mean, a Wego for a while, a Wego's three and four were well ahead of them. And – they both ended up. They both ended up beating um, Wego's number four runner. I mean, which that's that's the if ahead of time. It's like people like Piper, Quinn, and Catherine. They're the reason that you have a chance to win that race. Mm-hmm. But then, truthfully, your four and five runners. That's what it comes down to whether or not you win. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you had told me before the race that Audra and Aubrey were going to beat Wego's number four runner and Shayla's going to be the number five runner, I would have had a lot last nights where I was up at 3 a.m. during the elliptical the last week and a half. So that was, um, you know, and that just goes to show you that how well they ran. And, and I said this to the kids, it's like, was there a pot, was there a pathway for us to win by 17? Um, yes, there was, but it involved the Wego running terribly and they didn't, they ran really well. A Wego ran really, really, really well. Like I said, a few minutes ago, if you had told me that a Wego, was going to run how they ran, I would have been, I don't think I would have taken them, but I would have been like, whoa, we're going to have to, we're going to have to really have our A game. And then, you know, we end up winning by 17. So from an X's and O's standpoint, that was kind of how the race shook out there. Well, the, the, the whole process that you were just talking about of expectations falls into me too, because when you were sending all of the information with Brooks and what you thought the race was going to turn into, and it was going to be a one point victory, or it was going to get down to two or three points, me at the finish line, I can't see anything that's going on. And so I was trying to count all the runners. As yeah, you weren't much up there when you told me you thought we lost. I did because, one, because when Audra fell and they gave her the 26th place and not the 17th place, that completely screwed up my math. But also the expectation to me that it was going to be an extremely close race. And when mm-hmm. that number happened, I thought we were out of it. So that just goes to show how much expectations does play into your, 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 your thought process at the time. If I would have not had that expectation, I wouldn't have thought that anything. But I thought yeah. we lost because of the number mishap at the end and when Audra fell down. Mm-hmm. So... And I, you know, I just fell into the expectation game too. So maybe we should have tried baby steps with me. Well, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it goes to show you though. Like, we won by seventeen. Is that Which a lot is, of points? Y- yeah, yeah. But it's also <laughs> yeah. like, but say like, first of all, Aubrey. I, if you're gonna pick like a like a player of the game type mm-hmm. person, uh, Aubrey ran without question substantially her best race of the year. And it's like, what if Aubrey runs? 25 seconds slower which again would have still honestly would have been a good race been a good race for her what if audra runs 20 seconds slower which would have been about where audra had been running i don't think that would have been a great race for audra but it still would have been fine um you know what if Catherine white uh, Catherine white would probably be second on that list Catherine white ran quite a bit that was substantially her best race of the year what if she has a normal day and then what if you know quinn finished a couple places back and what if a wego just runs 10 to 50 seconds faster that score is close we probably lose by five so it sounds like a big margin but it's it's really not. It's just about you know. It just it's just the it it just shows you how well we actually ran, but how thin that um, margin is. And I I forgot to say this. It's like we went through that we went through that race, and it was like if you go back to Quinn for a second, you know, it's like from a from a point standpoint, she's about where we thought. We thought that Kathleen Quinn and Abby were a toss up, and Quinn got second of those three girls. But she, just to show you how well they ran, though. Um, Harper Miniker from Waverly, who didn't factor in the team scoring because they didn't have a complete team, that was the first time that 
Quinn had beaten her all oh, year no, or no, even no. been close to I mean Quinn that Harper Miniker is ranked quite a bit ahead of her mm-hmm. on um my on um, Tully Runners and she beat her there. So it's not that's not even like that's it's not it's not even like oh we thought Quinn would run with Kathleen and Abby, you know, she did. That's what we expected. Well, they all ran well. All, all three of those girls beat Harper Miniker, who didn't have it. She's running – Harper Miniker is running the stadium. She didn't have a bad race at all. But, you know, I thought that uh, that group of girls, even though Quinn finished kind of where we thought she would, that she finished there because that group of girls had a really good race. Right. So, and I mean, I think you can um, say that for quite a, few, quite a few people there. It was interesting after the race. It's probably – I'm trying to think of how many sports do you not know who won – once the race is over, or once the contest is over, track. <laughs> I mean, track for a team score. Uh, yeah, for individually, for a team, yes. Uh, but I guess the same golf, thing for us. Golf, I don't yeah. know. Oh, I golf, don't. I think you know. For a team score, you know? Oh, I've never been to a high school golf match. I don't know. I'm thinking don't like think, watching like the PGA. I don't think you do, but maybe you do for a team score. Yeah, I don't know. But so we finish, and um, I thought we were in pretty good shape because I was just about how well we ran, and I just thought. If we ran that well, I don't know if there was a pathway for us to lose. And when I was counting, again, I didn't count Owego's number five runner in front of our girls. But again, I was like, there's a, there was a lot going on. Like maybe I missed her. But I had a pretty good feeling that we won. And it's like you're sitting there and everybody's asking you, you know, what do you think? Do you think we won? And it was like, man, Mr. Hogan, love him. But I must have had the same conversation six times. He was like, what do you think? And I was like, I think we're in good shape. I don't know. He was like, congratulations. I was like, well, I don't know anything yet. <laughs> right. And he's like, all right. And then like 30 seconds later, he'd be like, well, what do you think? I'd be like, well, nothing's changed. And last three, he's like, I don't know. I don't have the results yet. And he kept saying congratulations. And I was like, let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. And, you know, everybody was asking and stuff. So that was a really stressful time because, you know, you don't want to give anybody false hope, obviously. Absolutely. That's probably the last thing you want to do. And then finally, I was, so I'm staying by the tent which felt like for three days, but I'm sure it was probably like 15 minutes, for them to bring the results over. And when they did, I saw we won. No, the girl, no one was even around. So right, I was like, I didn't right. know. You know. So it was very weird. So I told some of the parents before we even told the kids. And when I was walking over to the kids, I actually didn't think ahead of time about what to say if we won. I had nothing planned. Right. I did have a little thing in my head about if we had not won. But I had nothing, so I was basically just like, "Hey, if you want to see the results, and I showed them." And then <laughs> right, well, that was well, the best fine. I that was the best I had. And in retrospect, that was probably the way to do it because no once they found well, no, I'm just saying <laughs> once they found out we won, nothing else was I was there was not going to be anything that True. was going to be said True. in that we, moment. We um, anyway, so that was um, so that was basically recap there. But if, I the thing that I think impressed me the most is, and I think that probably in my head, I don't think in the last half an hour here i did as good of a job laying out our philosophy as i wanted to but it's one thing to have a philosophy and it's one thing to have the kids buy into it like we said it's like if we're summing up the philosophy it's like you set these outcome goals like win a sectional championship or whatever they may be and then you tell a kid not to think about them that's really hard to do i mean think about another sport if you're like hey you know we're gonna try to win this championship but we're not gonna talk about it we're not gonna think about it um, that's really hard to do. And I can't emphasize how well the kids did with that to the point where it was like, it was almost too good where it was like, I was, I mean, I knew that they wanted to win, but we talked about it so little that I was like, we got to just make sure we're on the same page about what's going on Thursday. And, and that's a really good spot to be in, but it's just weird. It's a lot of, it's a, and I do think, and I know I already said this, but I do think that if you took the vessel approach and you only went to six meets, you can't do that. 
I think you can do it that with ex- it up too I much think each you uh, yeah maybe but I think you can do that if your team is really experienced okay well, like I'll I think maybe that. Piper would have been fine but yeah. it's like look at like Aubrey yeah. you know look you need at, to um, have the experience you know, to be able look to be at that strong I some agree. of those yeah. kids look at Audrey I mean Audrey ran cross country in the spring but not a full season you got to learn how to race you know if you had a bunch of seniors that maybe you can get away with doing something like that but um, no, I, yeah, it's it, every it, everything we do has a purpose. That's the other thing we say all the time. It was taking Aubrey to Whitney Point had a had a purpose. You know, taking um, it, doing the mile and a half race at I was talking about this. We had the stack meeting last night. Doing the mile and a half race had a major purpose. It's like Connor. I think that was a really big Catherine race for too. Connor. Catherine too. I, what you're saying? The um, I'm saying Whitney Point and the oh race, yeah 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 yeah. Race. What I was saying specifically about like the the Owego race yeah, Owego was big for I'm not first of all Owego a lot of good guys in that race because the Valley guys are good and the Owego guys are good so that was a good race at Owego I'm not so sure that Connor didn't split the fastest time like uh, that's a weird because it's since there's splits yeah, it's hard to I don't know, know right? what other teams right. did but Brendan Haney ran a pretty darn good leg and I think Connor beat him by like 14 seconds or something Crazy. and so I thought that was a big stepping stone um, for for Connor and I think the last thing We'll say, and I, we'll do a separate, much shorter, but we'll do a separate state meet preview podcast. There'll be, I think, maybe less than 10 minutes at some point. But I think that when you win a sectional championship, it's like it's really easy to look at the five or seven girls that were on the line. Um, but that's a, a team title is an attribute to every single person that is on the team, whether you factored in the score or not. And honestly, whether you were on the line. I, in a lot of ways, I think that's a sectional title for the guys team because then the guys were crucial in aiding the girls to their success. And if, for a lot of reasons, but if for no other reason other than every single girl that ran on Thursday has at least one guy in their training group. So having, I mean, having Brendan and Connor in that training group with with Piper is um, crucial, you know? And it's like, it could go through each guy because each guy is in one of those groups. But that was, I mean, that is, monu- I can't, I can't stress how important that is because people in training groups have good days and bad days. And there's days that it's like, there's days that Lucas McPeak is picking up that group of Audra, Aubrey, Catherine, Shaley. Absolutely. And it's like, hey, like, let's get through this, you know? And it's like, you're not going to like this, but maybe that's why there's not separate banners for the cross country championships. I actually came around on that. Elena Gumbel was really Makes bent sense. out of shape Makes when we were sense. in there. And so maybe I just took the opposite point of view as her. But I think that um, I kind of it kind of grew on me after I was thinking about how there's not separate banners. So what I don't think, though, is I think there should be separate divisional and sectional. Like 100%. That should be somehow that should be somehow um, deciphered. So, so not, like, for example, this isn't going to be on there twice. 2021 is not going to be on there twice for a division championship and a sectional championship. That's not really fair. Right, right. Maybe it should be a star or something next to it. Something. So, all right, well, let's wrap this up because it's been a long podcast. But I think it was an important one because I think I hopefully we gave a little bit of insight into kind of how the program works. Honestly, this kind of worked out well. So we were going to do the banquet last Saturday and we had to, unfortunately, we got restrictions that we couldn't have parents there. And this is a lot of what I wanted to talk about at the banquet. Now I know not everybody wants to hear me talk for 45 minutes. So this is like, this is kind of nice because now they get to either, just turn it off. they can just turn me off or turn us off or I whatever. And can't. now when we do our spring banquet, I can be much more, con- I'll be much more um, concise. But last thing, cause we will probably do a very quick state meet preview at some point in the next 24, 48 hours here. Um, big shout out to the fan section. And that's, that's amazing. it's a, it's, 
I don't know. It's, it's, we talk about so many things that I think are just so hard to, it's so hard to explain to people who aren't part of the day-to-day process or haven't done cross country before, but those things made a huge difference. And huge when I difference. sit down with the kids and huge. I try to do a, a, like a post, not the same day, I usually give it 24 to 72 hours. But when we do a, a, a race recap, I can't tell you how many kids were like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling great, but then after the hill, you know, we had all of our fans there and it really kind of helped me yeah. carry through. Um, that was, that was, you know, that, that's, um, it's hard to put into words how important that is. And then I think with the luxury we have, I mean, it's just, it, there's so many things about this season that have just been perfect. It's, I mean, it's the 20th anniversary of the guys winning. It's, we had individual champion and team champion. Um, and the meet is back at state park. You know, yeah. we're not going up to Plattsburgh where nobody else is going to go other than, you know, a few people. And so this year's the first year the American Grill was open at State Park so I could get actual lunch. Uh, I would recommend the um, California Fish Tacos. I mean, fish Tacos, yeah. you say it all the time. I'll get it next yeah. time. I'll get a state meet maybe but, at 8 o'clock in the morning. So, yep. So 9.30, uh, anybody, we're going to, again, we'll do another podcast with this information. But we will have, uh, tickets have to be purchased online. And the only ticket, the only price you have to pay is parking which is $10. I think when you add the service charge, it's $11.50. But that is not $11.50 per person. That is per car. So if you're in a car with four people, it's just, you know, you just need one of them. So that'll be 9.30 Saturday morning. There's going to be a lot of people there. So I would recommend getting there at least a half an hour early in order to get up to the course. So we'll see you there. Until then. (laughs)